Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So what are you up to right now? Like, what's your life like? This is like your first year not playing, I think, right? Yeah, this November I'm going into like year two and not playing, like a year two and a month of not playing. So uh, I moved back to Columbus during the pandemic. Um, I just, you know, the pandemic in 2020, the CFL shut down. We got like a big severance pay and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so it kind of, you know, we it kind of showed me, you know, there was more. To life, my sons were. I had a t- I had a, a newborn at the time. He was born in nineteen, and then I had my son. He was uh, he was about six. He was about to start school, and it was just you know one of those times where you were with your family. You kind of redoing things. I started like coming up with business ideas and things I wanted to do. You know, in my next phase of life. I started working on them because I had the free time, and like I just had. Uh, overwhelming like you know spirit of like uh entrepreneurship overwhelming like you know ideas that i felt like were gonna serve to my future and i just felt like football like served my kid dreams and like i don't know if you ever read the fifth agreements by don miguel Reed greece but uh it's a great book, man. The first book is the Four Agreements, and then the second one is just like uh, just not taking things personal, doing things. You know, uh, there's agreements, but in the book it talks about the dream of the first attention, and and uh, how you were the dreamer who dreamed the dream, but your life purpose comes from the dream of the second attention. And, and I just kind of hit me. And, uh, like, when you really think about a lot of athletes, you know, that's the first thing that they – it's their first dream. It's the it's the first thing they ever want to do is, you know, be an athlete, get drafted, make a million dollars, buy their mom a car and a house. And uh, it's, it's what you put all your, like, attention to at first. But I started realizing, like, my life's purpose was for the dream of my second attention and – and your calling is sometimes bigger than you. It, it'll devour you sometimes, you know. And I just felt like it was time to attack that second dream. And uh, and I, I kind of had to give up, you know, my first dream. But what the first dream teaches you are the tools that you'll have 
for the for your calling, you know. And so just having that, you know, bounce with adversity, having you know, being on all different places, being able to like plant my feet and be myself in any city or state and go out and play just sort of taught me that you know I can manifest anything that I want you know and I can create relationships out of thin air because that's what I did you know with past teammates like you know you talk to Judon different people and just be able to have impact on men and uh, I just you know I figure you know I could I could use that in my next phase of life so I mean I have a nonprofit. I've had it since 2013 I'm really starting to expand that uh, I have a logistics company um, we do like flatbed concrete, and then uh, believe it or not, like I'm, I'm building a um, health health tech platform that I think by like 2025, you know, will be up and running and, and, uh, and helping a lot of people, you know, uh, take the health back into their hands and giving them the right tools to take care of themselves and uh, be able to connect with the right people outside of you know, you know, normal traditional medicine and normal things like that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I spent my time doing. I, um, I was pretty good with my money, so I could get to stay home and take care of my kids and be their coach and and uh, be around them. And and it's just it's just awesome, man. So I, I, I just try to maximize each day and not stress myself out and, and just take care of my, my spiritual and mental health because bottom line, man, football, it takes your body, but yeah. It, it, it can't it can't have my mind you know like it can't have my mind so I, I my mind is my most powerful thing so i just try to put that to use and put it to work man and live this dream of the second attention Todd. i love it i love it. How, how is your body then how are you feeling after you know a life in football playing receiver taking the hits you did oh man it's fucked man it's just terrible, you know, just, just 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 waking up in pain every day. But it's something that, you know, you, you, you look at and you realize, like, hey, like, could I, would I do it all over again? Hell yeah, man. Just just to learn what I learned or if I knew what I knew now, um, you know, how, how, how could it affect me? You know, but it's just, you, you know, you learn. You learn so many things. But, you know, you I've had a lot of injuries, but uh, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. What are yeah? I mean, just while, while we're on that, what what hurts the most right now? Oh man, my back, my neck, my shoulders, uh, my hands hurt in the cold. It's just um, you know, it's it's one of those things. But that's but that's what football. I mean, that's what football is. You know, it's, it's just it's a brutal sport, man. It's a, it's uh it's one of those things where you 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 put your body on the line, and that's why that's why kind of got to respect these guys that go out there each week and, and, and play and they're gladiators man modern day gladiators so it's it's a, it's a it's a blessing but in the same time like you learn to you learn to take care of yourself you learn you learn those things uh in life for sure from that game it was there a, it was there a hit that still kind of sends a chill up your up your spine when you think of it yeah man i've had i've had those brutal hits man i've had, um I think uh, my first time in the CFL, my first game, Ricky Ray, uh, legendary Canadian quarterback. He's basically the Tom Brady of the CFL. He's the only quarterback to win four championships up there. He um, he went to Sacramento State and was a uh, and was a big a big uh, CFL guy. And um, he uh, he threw a, a pass behind me. And I, um, 
And I look back and I, this guy named Glenn Love just, man, got caught me right under my chin and knocked me out. And, and by the grace of God, I mean, well, not by the grace of God, but those concussion tests are pretty easy to pass. <laughs> um, so I ended up still playing that game. And I remember that hit uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, my and then, God. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. And then, like, one time I was going across the middle and a guy, like, speared me in my back. I finished the game. But I still feel it. And then probably the last hit that probably ended, I caught like a crosser route in Montreal. Like as soon as I got down, somebody hit me like right where like your hip, your upper thigh and your groin meet. And it was just like a thigh bruise that was just, it was so bad. I thought I was going to have to like, it was just throbbing. So it got so swollen. I was going to have to get one of those corset stitches, like where they like split it open just to release it. But it was, you know, by a guy, you know, he, he looked out for me. He got the, the swelling out and I was able to uh, end up walking and play again. But I tried to play one more season on it and it just, it, it never went away. Never went away. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a place I want to get hit. You know, that'd be pretty low on the uh, the choices. If I, I want to get hit right there, <laughs> painful. So you have you ever rolled out on like a foam roller? Oh yeah. It's one of those. It's like that spot, like right by your hip. That's like that ball that's always tight on every human, and it's just like right there. And it, it's just. I mean, sometimes it still it still hurts, man. <sighs> God, so you're like just your football life journey. I mean, you mentioned that you've been through some adversity. Like, where would you start? Like, what what did you kind of go through early on that really made you who you are? If you can take it back as far as you want. Well, man, I came here uh, a Make a Wish kid uh, back in uh, when I was born. I was born in San Francisco, and I was born with like half my immune system. So, like, I was born with less white blood cells. So essentially what that means is, is like, I, I've never had a fever in my life. I would just get sick. And so what a fever is, technically it's like your body heating up the sickness. Um, so it's a sign. So I never got those signs. So like my meter is always off. So during COVID, it's funny. I would tell people it's going to be 97.3 everywhere I go. You know, I, you got to get your temperature. And so in, in every location. So I, uh, my mom um, petitioned the state of California. I was able to uh, end up getting the care that I needed. Um, and I uh, was able to get like IVs and, you know, gammy gobble and shots uh, to where I was, uh, you know, and, and she did it through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And um, that, that, that reason is part, part of the reasons why I, I always wanted my own nonprofit just because the nonprofit, you know, helped pay for my, um, my care and just impacted me as a kid so uh yeah once we moved from cali to ohio um you know i was raised by a single mom um and um you know just 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 one of those kids who just kind of gravitated towards football was was always bigger and you know stronger than kids and uh it was just just a good outlet for me um and i you know started playing football in kindergarten uh just was always a natural but um, it was it was it was always tough just because uh, of how physical it was and just the conditioning. So I kind of like started hating it after a while. And then when I got to school, I wanted to play quarterback. And when I got to high school, and then um, 
you know, I, I went to one of those all-white, you know, Catholic schools, and, like, my class was, like, one of the first class that a bunch of African-American dudes just kind of came in. And uh, and so I, I ended up losing a job, and they were like, man, like, you should try a receiver. And I was like, man, I quit. You know, I didn't want to play. I was, a, I was a hooper. I played varsity and basketball as, like, a freshman and, you know, and sophomore starter. So I just figured, you know, basketball was my game. But um, I didn't play varsity football until my junior year, and um, I just exploded, man. It was all state. Uh, we had a big, re- I had a big recruit one year in front of me. He ended up playing at Tennessee with like Eric Berry and all those guys, Arian Foster, and um, and so when they all the schools were coming to see him, they saw me, and you know, and like the rest is history. And so I, you know, I that's where I, that's when I got my scholarship, and that's how I sort of like burst onto the scene. Uh, and then I got to Ohio State, and you know, it was just. Uh, I think I'm the only wide receiver in the history of Ohio State's great, you know, great wide receiver history to score on their first catch. So the first time I caught the ball, I scored, and then I kind of was like, man, well, maybe this college stuff won't be too hard. And sophomore year, I was a starter, and, you know, things went well. And then, you know, going into my, you know, junior year, Coach Trussell knocks on my door, uh, asked me and Terrell to come talk to us, talk to him, Terrell Pryor I'm talking about, and, comes out, you know, oh, well, find out, you know, you guys sold, sold your stuff to a guy. He's getting indicted, you know, by the, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, let's let's ball out and, and, and let's leave, you know. And so that year we were 12 and 1. Uh, we lost to Wisconsin. J.J. Watt had his coming out party. We were number one in the country, and we ended up, you know, out of the national championship picture. After the Michigan game, the sanctions sort of came down. And uh, we were, like, asked, you know, so it was just like a, a pool. Like, some people didn't want us to play in the game. A lot of people wanted us to play in the game. And uh, because it was, like, it was clear it was about money that the NCAA wanted us to play. And so we ended up playing. Uh, but it was just a lot of stress uh, just going into it. And and uh, all five guys who got in trouble all impacted the Sugar Bowl. We beat Brian Mallett and Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, and then we were kind of confronted with, you know, do we do we go into the draft? Do we stay? What do we do? And then Coach Trestle made us sign a contract, asked us to stay. We stayed. I fought through it. Um, wanted to, uh, you know, really wanted to graduate from Ohio State. Learned how to kind of walk in adversity on campus. And all these Twitter trolls at the time, Twitter was just coming out. It's kind of like feeling social media stress. So I kind of learned to handle it. Me and my wife got close. My mom helped me with the NCAA investigations. Had to go through like an audit somewhat in college. Like they, you know, the NCAA requested all this crazy information. And we ended up, you know, so I, through the audit and through the the appeal, I had to serve 10 games my senior year. So I was kind of able to, you know, went from being, you know, not somewhat of a god, but just people praise you around Columbus when you when you're you know starting wide receiver or quarterback or the running back or the left tackle, and so when um, you know that year hit me, I, I thought my dreams were going to be you know my dreams of playing the NFL were over, but uh, I stuck it out, you know, kind of fought through that character stuff. Went to the combine, ran a great time, had meetings, talked to a bunch of NFL guys about what and how, you know, and adversity, you know, and all that. I ended up getting drafted in the third round, uh, only playing three games in my senior year. So, uh, 
then after that, you know, started coming on late. My rookie year started starting, you know, around like November and December. It was looking like I was going to have a big breakout year. My second year, mm-hmm. we're playing the Patriots in New England. I tear my Achilles in the fourth quarter with four minutes left. We're getting smacked by like Tom Brady. And this this is like the Tom Brady, Aaron Hernandez, Gronk, Shane Vereen team. Like oh, yeah. they, were just, they were like absolutely ridiculous. And uh, so, and, and just the time that happened in the game, it was just like so unnecessary. I was like, like why? Like, why is this happening? Like, so had to battle some adversity again. Um, then we drafted DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and they asked me to like tutor him and mentor him and uh, sort of like to take my spot. Yeah. Me and Hop became great friends and still good friends to this day we you know we chat through social media and stuff like that and and uh and so you know after that bill o'brien came in and we just didn't see eye to eye and so i i got out of I, he traded me from houston at 15 got to the jets was getting married that year um you know just had just bought a house in houston so it was just like wow this is the worst time to get uprooted um but you know that's life um so I battled some more injuries. I think they were maybe stress-related. Got cut. Was out the league for a long time. Just training. Working out for teams. I think I worked out for like six teams in 15. Then I ended up getting signed in Denver to uh, Gary Kubiak. He was the offensive coordinator out there. I signed a futures deal. And then the Broncos ended up... Uh, I signed a futures deal in December. And then that January, the Broncos ran the table and won the Super Bowl. So I was like, man, maybe that was... Well, that wasn't a good idea because they, they're not going to change anything about that room. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I was trying to – training camp battle, and I just kind of told myself, like, hey, man, like, I just – train so hard. I work so hard to get back from this injury. Um, and I've just done so much under-the-surface work that, you know, I, I just want to play. And so uh, I kind of told myself my brother was playing in Canada – um, and so I drove to Toronto and saw him play. And I was like, man, I can play this game. And this is like a real professional league. Like, oh, shit. Like, they got fans. They got fan base. They got their own game, you know, their own lingo when it comes to football. It's different. And so I just I just kind of told myself, like, if I get cut again, I'm going to go to the CFL. And just my whole goal was to ball out and make it back to the league. So... Um, I got cut from Denver. I went home for like three, four weeks, and I just kind of wanted to make sure my wife wasn't going to leave me because I was going to go to a lesser league, be making way less money. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted her to believe in, in me and believe in a dream. So I, I got back with my trainer that I trained with, with the combine down in Florida. I, I moved to Florida for a bit, rented my house out in Houston, and I just was training. Mm-hmm. And uh, so going into 17, uh we had Mark Tressman as our coach, former Bears coach, um, real intellectual guy. He wrote a book just like Jim Tressel wrote a book. And, um, man, he put me on all types of like just spirituality stuff, manifestation, visualization, uh, learning how to forgive myself, just learning how to not be so hard. You know, when it comes to coaches, because I just had this thing with like football coaches that it was just like, I just always opposed and wanted to like, you know, just fight and just be like, oh man, this guy's trying to fuck me over, this and that. And he just taught me how to like let that stuff go and just play. And it was a crazy year. I mean, I think we ended the season like eight and eight and uh, we ended up 
you know, running the table in the playoffs. We won the Grey Cup. I won Grey Cup MVP. And I was able to, you know, get a chance to go back to the league. And, uh, and I just kind of told all the people at that organization, like, hey, like, this is what I want to do. I want to go back. So they released me. I worked out for some teams. I ended up signing with Baltimore. Um, Harbaugh gave me a shot. And uh, was there the year, like, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, and Lamar, all those guys got drafted. And Hayden Hurst. And, and it was just a good thing. But, like, after playing championship ball and understanding, like, you know, quarterback reads, like, when you get playbooks, you know, it's like one, two, three. I mean, I played with a uh, Ricky Ray. He was a he was a CFL great, but also a guy named S.J. Green. You should look him up, man. He's one of the greatest – one of the greatest CFL receivers, but he like helped my learning curve. And he was like, yo, like if you're not read one or two um, or three, you ain't getting the ball. And so I just kind of learned that, um, you know, when I studied and learned how to study football and just put plays in my head. I like Ty, like, man, I could, I could, I can learn any playbook in four to five days just because of just going to different teams and just hearing so much terminology. Like all it is is, Football is easy as far as learning. It's uh, it's um, personnel, formation, motion, assignment, technique, and then you can be yourself. So all you got to do is take 70 to 150 plays and understand those five things. It's really like a car memory game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's just word. It's just word association. It's word with action. What does this word make me do? And there's nothing new under the sun. So it's just different names from different things. So when I got to Baltimore, I knew I had this knowledge, and I could just see. I was like, "Oh, these guys are putting me on backside routes." So I'm not. I was like, I can kind of see the writing on the wall, and I just was like, "Yo, like, it's more stress." Then enjoyment, and I was like, I'm gonna just finish my career out in the CFL. So uh, after Baltimore cut me, um, I went back to Vancouver, played out there, helped that team get to the playoffs. Um, and then that next year was my first year of free agency. Signed a huge deal to go to Montreal by Canadian standards. You know, it's about uh, 220 grand. Um, and then I brought my family up and. Uh, man, you know, uh, it was crazy. We had planned to have our kid, our second kid in, um, in Montreal. Uh, I don't know if it was a language barrier or not, but we, what we went in, um, and, uh, they sent us home and we ended up having my second son in our apartment. I delivered my second son, pulled him out. Yeah, bro, crazy. So I pulled him out, um, and then like uh, finished that season off. And I thought we were changing things around with the organization. They didn't make the playoffs. We made the playoffs. Um, they get rid of their GM. They get rid of the head coach that signed me to that huge deal. First thing that you know, new GMs and coaches try to do is, you know, cut and save money and kind of like put their imprint on organizations. I was like, they wanted to renegotiate with me and cut my salary. And then I was like, all right, cool, we'll do a restructure. And then he called me back. I was like, oh, no, we're just going to cut you and then bring you back. And I'm like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to just go to free agency. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up leaving there, going to Hamilton. And the pandemic came. And then that's where I sort of kind of started a conversation off is like where I wanted to, you know, start doing things differently. And, and I end up going to Hamilton and, you know, I tear my calf on the same leg that I tore my Achilles on. I was like, oh, you know, it might be it for me. Um, I, I, I don't think that my greatest impact as a human 
can be on the football field anymore. Um, and I just, you know, it's just crazy. You go from being a young guy coming into the CFL that can change the organization to walking in and meeting like, hey, what's up, OG? And you're like, damn, bro, like, is that a shot? Like, I'm only 30, like, chill. Like, you know, and so... <laughs> It's just one of those things like football flashes before your eyes so fast. And so I just kind of, you know, decided to walk away and walk away quietly and kind of just move on. And so I moved back to Columbus. I'm, I mean, I studied communications. I've been to, also, I forgot to mention, I do some radio stuff and TV stuff around here. So I, um, yeah, man, I get to talk ball. I get to impact people through my foundation. I get to be around Ohio State. Um, I get to be in my kids' life. So, man, life. Life has its ups and downs, but I've always learned from my adversity. I've always came out better on the other side, just being honest and forgiving myself and, and just uh, learning that, you know, like the work will teach you. Like, like whatever it is you want to do, the work will teach you. Um, the, the work, it, it might be hard days, it might be good days, but I just always wanted just to, um, just being a, growing up in a single parent home, and just going through what I went through. My mom always wanted to be a great dad and, a, and an awesome husband. So, you know, God has allowed me that opportunity here with my family. So that's that's what I just I hone in on those things, Ty. And I, I see I follow you on social media. I know you're a family guy, too. So, you know, it, it, the best things in life are free. And um, and, I, and I get those uh, indulge in those best things every day, man. So I uh, that's just, you know, I mean, my, my journey has been filled with adversity in front of a lot of people, tearing my Achilles on national TV, you know, being suspended in front of all the Buckeye Nation and the nation, um, you know, having to fight through, getting drafted, getting replaced, you know, to be able to stand on stage and be a great club MVP. Like, I just, I'm one of those people in life that won't quit. I'm one of those people that have figured it out. Uh, I know how to articulate my story and my passion, and I just, I just hope people can learn from my journey, and I hope people can be inspired from uh, just never ever giving up on yourself and just learning from your your, your trauma and learning from your past and, and allowing it to uh, harden you and, and blossom. You know what I'm saying? So it's just. That's just me, man. <laughs> in a nutshell. That's amazing. I mean, it's it, it probably you know when you're catching touchdowns in the Big Ten, you're the big man on campus. Like the the, the vision for how the next 10, 15 years are going to go, it's probably a lot different. You're thinking, you know, you know, multi-million dollar contracts and glory and Super Bowls and notoriety, and then you you kind of take this path you just laid out, and you're learning way more about life, way more about yourself than you ever would have. If it maybe went the way that you wanted it to go, but at that point, you know. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. So I mean, something you know, gifts. This comes in multiple ways, and I and I've been gifted with the. You know, you always say people say the gift is the journey, um, and and I, I can honestly like second that. You know, uh, just guys I've came across who said they, you know, you know, got inspiration for me, or you know, saw what I've been. That stuff is what always kind of kept me going, um, knowing those things and just being able to be an impact that way has always been my biggest, you know, thing that I took away. So I know in my next phase of life, you know, the uh, money will come, the, the things, you know, that I want to do will be there. I just got to continue to just articulate and just and just be, and be who I am, you know, and uh, I always just embrace that stuff. What a, so I mean, there, that's a lot to unpack there. But when you're you're at Ohio State, 
I mean, this week, it, 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 I cannot imagine what's going through your head with uh, all the transfer portal stuff and all the millions of dollars getting thrown around. It's it's just so ridiculous to think what you, Terrell, and all you guys went through with with that ordeal. Where at the time, I mean, it's the cover of Sports Illustrated. It's the number one sports story. Your name's getting dragged through the muck, and you look back, and it's just utterly ridiculous that that was ever a thing. It's crazy, man. It's crazy, you know. It's just like, you know, I, I, your, your, your pain can always be somebody else's glory, and that's, and that's what I, how I've embodied it. You know, I mean, I, I know our story has impacted NIL and uh, a lot of decisions, and when you look back and just how we were dragged, and it, it, it just, you know that, you know, we, 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 we helped shape this NIL. We helped. Uh, you know, realize people realizing how silly it was, and to be honest, we we had nil deals. You know, like like all around the city, man. You know, and so we we, we understood that. And the crazy and the iron, the irony of it all is, my sophomore year, I'm being a communications major. We had to do a 30 minute speech, and uh, my sophomore year, I picked why college athletes should be paid. Really, so for a whole. Yeah, man. For a whole quarter, I researched. Alternative. You had to have an. You had to have a problem. You had to come up with a solution, and then you had to speak about it. And so, I researched the problem. I, I understood how much you know people made from trademarks, the stadium itself. I understood uh, what you know the video game made, what the, the jersey sales made, and then. Uh, I came up with solutions like, you know, trust funds and things like that and what the Olympic Committee does for amateur athletes so that they can go and compete in college. And I had, like, all these solutions about, you know, ways that college kids could be paid. And, and just through the irony of it all, I ended up just not giving a fuck about the, the rules anymore. I was just like, you know, veil was removed from my eyes. I, I could see... Yeah what was going on and, and, and yeah it bit me I lost a lot of money but in the grand scheme of things 10 years later I'm happy I uncovered that knowledge I'm happy I learned that because you know, our journey you know me and those other four guys has uh, has, has impacted you know guys like Bajora Robinson uh, Trevion Henderson CJ Stroud Jackson Smith Jigla, who can participate in this stuff you know so but how difficult is it in the moment? Because I mean, that was just a totally different frame of mind for for everybody involved. I mean, you're like you said, you're getting talked to, looked at a certain way on campus. Was it so when you guys got in trouble? Was it difficult to deal with? Well, I wouldn't say like looking different on campus. I just, I guess that's how I. Remember, I called my mom. I was like, "Mom, all these people are saying stuff about me." She was like, "People are like talking about you on campus." I'm like, "No, on this app called Twitter." Oh, and like we were like, you know, we had to be some of the top twenty first people trolled, you know, and just yeah. and so that was like that social media anxiety or social media depression that we really you know battled against early on before it was even a thing before people even knew that. A social app could cause this, you know, and, and that's really what we battled. I would say. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Uh, were you? So you weren't worried about getting in trouble when you're selling this stuff, or did? I guess you just didn't even really care. We we kind of got to a point where we didn't care. You know, we just really kind of didn't care. You know. Yeah. 
Because you had done your research, though, like you said. I mean, you're you're. And, and, and at the time, I mean, to cut you off, but at the time, selling your selling your memorabilia wasn't illegal. The NCA had a running business plan that adjusted from our case. They they changed it like. After us, kids weren't allowed to get their rings or their jerseys until they graduated. But before that, there was no rules against selling your own things. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> and the case wasn't about tattoos. It was that we sold our belongings to the guy who owned the tattoo shop. That's, if you really look at the case, that's what it was about. But they dumbed us down. They, they, they ran with that story. That's why, you know, when I hear stories, I always want to hear the truth, you know, and what really happened, because the media is powerful, man, and they can create rhetorics and, and, and narratives that, you know, the public has to believe, because, oh, it's breaking, you know, or it's, 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 it's new coming news, but when you really dig into our case, uh, it was a name, image, and likeliness case that we understood that we could profit from our name, image, and likeliness, and we did that. Shouldn't there be some type of uh, formal apology from the NCAA? <laughs> I feel like there should be some sort of reckoning from them at this point for, for you guys. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, I haven't really spoke on this publicly. And I kind of talk around it. I mean, I, I probably won't go too much more into detail, but yeah. we're working on we're working on a documentary and we're, we're working on getting our story out there and, and really diving into it. All five of us have agreed to really work on this. So... Um, it's something that uh, something that we're working on. Good. You know what I mean? It's something that we want to get our story out there. We think the time is right. We think it's relevant. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, just, just being here around Ohio State, just knowing that we have their blessings and to, to, to speak on this. And, you know, so we've been, we've been hashing that out, man. So that And that was part of 2020, something, uh, one of the projects that I really wanted to work on. And, uh, and, uh, Bring to bring to light, you know, that just our, our journey and, and how it impacted us over 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 years, over over a decade, even after it happened, you know. Man, I cannot wait for that. That's going to be a must see. Holy cow! Um, God, yeah, and then the NFL. Really, like, I, I, I hope I hope a, a network feels that way and buys the story, but we're trying to get somebody to bite here, so we'll see. Oh, you're not going to have a problem with that. I, I would think they'd be lining up, you know, fighting over each other for it. Um, well, well, you know that that industry has exploitation in it too, and our biggest thing isn't to do a exploitation story while getting exploited. So it's been a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, you know, even in the NFL, I, I'd forgotten about a few of the things that you that you said there. I mean, tearing your Achilles. I've talked to so many players about so many injuries. That sounds like the worst possible thing that you could go through as a football player. Just that feeling of your tendon recoiling up your leg like it's uh, the blinds on a window. It's a kiss of death, man, for a lot of athletes, man. It's, it's one of your most powerful tendons. It takes so much force, but it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Just to come back from that, I mean, that's right at the start of your career, too, right? And that, that, that can end careers, and immediately you're having to overcome that. How, how did you do it? Man, I, that, that's where my health tech startup and, and all that, the motivation from that came from. Just learning about my body and reprogramming it. I went through, like, intestines, small intestines, big intestines, stomach detoxes, got everything out of my system. When you go through injury, um, depression kind of takes over. 
and um, it kind of can suppress your hormones and testosterone. So just doing that flush naturally, um, I had to like restart my hormones so I can kick up, kick the recovery process. And I made it back from that in six to seven months, man, which is normally a nine to 12 month rehab. But just learning about my body and learning about, you know, the foods that go with my body, the nutritionists that go with my body and and just sort of like taking this personalized medicine route. I realized that um, when I came into the combine, like my blood type was still showing that I was immune deficient in Indy. Hmm. But when I after I went through all of that stuff, I like changed the course of my blood and like reprogrammed my body. So when I got to the Jets and I did my blood test, it, it, it didn't show any deficiency in my immune system. I basically healed myself from diet, nutrition, and uh, the recovery things that I did to where it was like, oh, wow, like I helped my immune deficiency by restarting my system. And this is knowledge that the public should be able to have. This is knowledge that we should be able to share with people. And so that's that was like the motivation behind my health tech startup. Um, and um, yeah, so like like I said, man, like I've tried to use all of my pain to glory in some way. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, at every at every turn, it's like you find a good and a bad. I mean, what, what, what a God, what a life lesson for everybody to take, honestly. It's uh, sure, man. And you, you, you went at it with O'Brien. You said you did, didn't see eye to eye in Houston. Well, yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, I wasn't the type of receiver he wanted, or maybe it was I had been painted bad character from college. I didn't know, but you know, hey, you know, you know, that's one thing I learned too. Every coach that's told me no has been fired, or every GM that didn't want to mess with me has been fired. So can't really take anything personal everybody has a agenda everybody has an answer to somebody and it's just one of those things where it's like man man make mistake there's man error and everything so you know guys who go through the game and all this coach didn't like me or this didn't work out like yeah i hear you but you know just know that that coach has a time limit on his job too and so i just kind of learn how to not take anything personal you know and that was you said earlier I mean that was something you had to work through just being able to I guess trust a coach work with a coach um, not take it personal like it it was until like later on in Canada with Trustman that you kind of were able to have good relationship with with the coach yeah man and just learn learn that it's a working relationship and learn that you know it's give and take and and uh, and a championship and an MVP came out of it, so I was I was pretty happy about that. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean it. It, it all came together up there that that season. How, how, what did that moment feel like when you're the Grey Cup MVP and it's like a chance to exhale and and have a little vindication after everything? Um, just uh, it was it was it was monumental. Um, it was one of those things that I had to uh, really sit back and I was like, you know, my wife was crying on stage. I was like, why aren't you crying? And it was like, because I had learned about manifestation and I had like kind of had the picture of being on the stage showing up the Great Cup and, you know, I had pictured it night night in and night out. I was like really got into meditation and really like, like had to like envision those things and, and not to say it's like magic, but it's a book called Into the Magic Shop. By James R. Doty, 
And uh, I read it that year and, and I just learned that you, know, you kind of got to see things before they happen. And uh, and uh, that's like, uh, that's what I had to uh, learn. And I, and I kind of felt like, you know, wow, that was amazing. And then we celebrated that night and, you know, we flew back and I think, you know, I got back to my apartment. I got home before my wife and my kids got home. And then uh, when I got there, I just like, you know, start bust out crying. Cause I just start, thought about my journey. And, you know, I just had that moment with myself where I was like, what, you know, what is happening? You know, like what, like, it was just like a, a, a pause in time where I had to think like, man, like life is beautiful. And when you think it's down and it's not great, uh, you know, great things can happen. And that's why I kind of learned to use everything in, in that year. So. Year, I, I love 2017, man. It was it was a great year for me. Oh, that's incredible. And that manifestation, Tressman helped you get into that. You said, well, no, just just you know, I I went on a journey, you know, that year, and and uh, I kind of you know I found it from a few other people, a few okay. other spiritual mentors. I'd rather not mention, but, but yeah, man, I, I learned how to use it that year. And Tressman was into that stuff too. So that really can help you. I mean, imagine it can help people, you know, in all walks of life, manifesting and just meditating and all, all of that. That's uh, so true, man. And I cannot forget this. You you delivered one of your children? Like, how? <laughs> We've had, we have two kids. I, I don't know how anybody could do that on their own in an apartment. Well, my wife, I, she quarterbacked everything. She, she's a trooper, like I said. She's amazing. And I was just able to, uh, I was able to um, just, you know, just be calm. And she just kind of walked us through. She was like, hey, grab, grab the blood, the blood pressure monitor, grab this. You know, okay, now the placenta's out. Let's, you know, I mean, now, now that the baby's out, let's take the placenta out. That's, uh, you know, then we cut the umbilical cord. It was just, it was amazing, man. She, she was so awesome there, man. There's nothing like it, right? I mean, it's one of those things everybody tells you there's nothing like having a child and, and you know, bringing a son or a daughter into this world. But until you live it, you have no clue. <laughs> oh. No clue, man. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know how you have time, but it sure does seem like you're a, you're a family man, right? I mean, family's so important to you. Yes, it is. 